Welcome and thank you for joining us at Christian International Ministries. Our vision is to help you hear God's voice to change your world. For more information about this and other resources, please visit www.christianinternational.com. We're decreeing that this is the season that you have in mind to begin to stretch us into new things, to bless us in significant ways, and release to us the abilities that we uh, need, the provisions and the abilities that we need to be able to advance in an amazing way. And so, Father, as we lift up our hands, we are lifting up our expectation, and we believe that you have something special in mind in this season, in our lives, and we give you all the praise. Now give the Lord one more jubilee blast. Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. We loose the sound of heaven in the earth. Turn to somebody and say, God is releasing a new fruitful season in your life. Well, you can be seated in the house of the Lord. We want to talk about something. I thought it was just significant that we were dedicating little Elisha today. And Elisha, uh, his breakthrough into life really was a sign of a breaking off of barrenness. And how many believe that when God breaks off barrenness, you know, what's uh, interesting is God never broke off barrenness and just did a small thing. In fact, uh, my wife just ministered uh, to a a, a girl uh, recently that I actually reconnected with her that she had ministered to, I think about uh, maybe uh, almost 10 years ago at Mercy Ministries. And while she was uh, ministering to this girl in Mercy Ministries, the word of the Lord went forth and said, I'm going to cause you to bear children. I'm going to cause your your body to be restored. I'm going to bless you. Well, this girl, I believe, had been so devastated by anorexia and bulimia, all these kind of things that were going on and all kinds of devastating things that had gotten to the point that her body was shutting down. Really, all the doctors uh, thought for sure she was going to die. She went to Mercy Ministries. They began to speak to her the words of God. They began to care for her and nourish her soul. And she began to actually have that divine turnaround within her life. But the doctor said, even if you live, let me say this, even if you live, you will never uh, bear children. I mean, her, her whole system, her organs had just been so devastated. There was just no way. And here the prophet of God comes and says, I'm going to restore your body to such an extent. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you children and la, 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 la. Well, uh, she reconnected, uh, came up to my wife this year and, and said, oh, Apostle Jane, I just want to come and tell you uh, God did that. And, and I, have a, uh, I was blessed with children. In fact, here's my seventh child. Come on, seven children, not just one, but God blessed her with seven children. Now, I believe if God can do that, what could God do for you? Amen. Isaiah 54, we decreed at the beginning of uh, the year before last where God began to say more will be the children of the desolate than that of the married woman. In other words, those that have been left out are going to get more than even uh, those that seemingly have had everything going their way. If you've been behind the curve, God's going to slingshot you to advance. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, it's your time. A time of God is spoken of as a kairos moment. That kairos moment, that Greek word means a beautiful time, a time that God had in mind to appoint to you certain purposes to unfold within your life. And so when we say it's time, we mean that there's something that God wants to do in this season, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And so when God wants to do something, part of it always has to do with the reality of us bearing fruit for him. And so I want to look together here uh, out of a scripture in Colossians chapter 1. And I believe that everyone here this morning has this as a heart beat inside of you. I know this is what makes me 
And my heartbeat is this, simply stated, God, I want to please you. I, I, I think Christians that really do things for God usually have a baseline that's really simple. It's not about all the complexities and theologies and doctrines and, and all the experiences that we have. That's all great. But what really causes us to advance in all those things is that in the middle of it, we say, God, I want to honor you and I want to please you first. Seek my kingdom first. Seek the king and the kingdom first. And then everything else seems to work out. And so when we are moving in the right direction, that means we have a heart that says, God, what can I do to please you? And so here we see a scripture in Colossians in chapter 1 that kind of speaks to that issue. And it says simply this, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. This is our heartbeat as pastors, as apostolic ministers. Our heart is continually saying, God, we're praying for the people of our church for this purpose to unfold. Lord, we pray for them. We pray for you and we desire this for you that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. God, I want to know your will. I want to fulfill your will. And I want to have the wisdom of God and I want to have spiritual understanding. It says that the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit but when we are born again we have that divine nature impartation and we have an opportunity to begin to step in and understand spiritual issues the the man in the world the lost person doesn't really look at things from a right point of view and so when you try to speak about spiritual issues it goes over their head but when God begins to intervene in someone's life and there's something birth of his spirit inside then we have the capacity to understand those kind of divine issues if you will we see things from a whole new point of view. We might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy. How many, really, that's your heart too. God, uh, I want to walk worthy of the calling that's upon my life. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That should be kind of where you are motivated. That should be how you live your life, being fruitful in every good work. God, I want to be worthy of the high calling. I want to be pleasing to you. But in order for that to be a reality in my life, there's something that needs to take place continually. I need to be full of a fruitful release of good works out of my life. Come on. In other words, you will know them by their fruit. There's a reality to, to how you are living your life and how you're connected to Christ that should begin to release something out of you that's called good fruit and that it is ex exemplified in good works. In other words, work is not a bad thing. In fact, you are called to do the work of the ministry. In fact, you were made to work first. You were able to fellowship with God. And then after we did that in the garden, God said, all right, let's get to work. Let's tend to things in this garden. And so God always wants to to have uh, the R&R &R principle uh, working in our life the way we've talked about it before in this house is it's called relationship and responsibility. And some people like the relationship component. And man, we could just fellowship and laugh and talk and, and have a good time all night. And we love that. Uh, we're very big on that. We love to enjoy ourselves together with others. And yet, if you don't have the responsibility component, something's missing. Because you can have a good time, but if you don't get something done, then at the end of the day, really, what's happened? But then if all it is is work, 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 but you don't know how to relate, you don't know how to live together and love together and care for each other and have that intimate connection with somebody, then really, what is all the work about? And so what we want is to have both these components 
interrelated, interlaced together, that in that we begin to, I believe, please the Lord. We're supposed to love the Lord with all our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, that is a relational component. But then when he asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? At the end of the day, he said, well, if you do, go feed my sheep. Come on, let's get busy. And so it's not either or, it's both and. God says these two things are what causes us to be pleasing to the Father. That God, I know how to be Mary, I know how to be Martha. I know how to to sit at your feet and to worship you. And I know how to go and feed some folk and take care of things. And and some people are a little more tending toward one or the other. It's not either or. It's it's to appreciate both. But uh, when you have both components and both streams flowing out of your life, I believe that's when God says, I am well pleased. That's what uh, the Father said to Jesus. That's what we want to hear. Well done. We want to hear, God, you are pleased with my life. And increasing in the knowledge of God. In other words, at the end of the day, when we are doing things God's way, then we're going to be fruitful. When we are fruitful, we're going to increase an understanding of who God is in our life, an understanding of God that's going to be released to people around about us because it says that they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, people will understand who God is because of how you operate with the things that God gives into your hand here in the earth. You are a good steward of the things God's given to you and you know how to bear good fruit. You know how to bring things into a multiplication impact and effect in the earth. That's what a gardener does. That's what Adam was asked to do. Tend over these things, all these animals, all this uh, garden, all the beautiful things I've given. Watch over it and let it flourish. Let it grow. Let it have increase. Be fruitful was the first thing God said to man. Come on. Be fruitful and multiply was God's command to man in the beginning and that when we learn how to bear good fruit then he can position us rightly in the earth so that we can subdue and have dominion the way he said the way that you're going to have authority in the earth is by using your gift and bringing a fruitful release of God somewhere wherever you live whether it's on the job, whether it's in your family, whether it's in opportunities in the church, wherever you go, when you're bearing good fruit, I say it to men this way. It's that you don't have to command somebody in your family to submit to you. Most of the time, that's not the way God really wants it to work. We maybe sometimes have to use our authority a little stronger than we want just because of the circumstances. Just like Paul said, I can come to you with a stick or I can come to you with a hug. Just depending on how you respond and what you need to get, I'll give you what you need. Hallelujah. But most of the time, what I say is that if you are serving your wife, serving your family, and you're ministering to their need, you're going to get all the honor and respect you ever hoped for. God loved us first, and how did he show his love? He gave his son, his son laid down his life for us, and he proved something to us. And from that time forward, those that received that have said, God, I want to serve you with everything I got. I want to honor you. I want to love you. I respect you. I give you that place. In my life and I submit. And so the wisdom of God, the spiritual understanding, the knowledge of God comes to us. And all of that has this component that works, if you will, in the soil of our ground that causes us to be able to bear something called good fruit. Now some people might think that fruitfulness is an option. Let me read a couple more scriptures to you. John 15 verse 1. We love this. For I am the vine and my father, he's the gardener, the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, I get rid of. He takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, I love him so much... 
that I purge them. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Give me another prophetic word about that purging stuff. Hallelujah. Not so sure you want that. But listen. That it may bring forth more fruit. Listen. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit. God says there's no place in my kingdom for that. He is looking for what? The reality of our relationship with Jesus. If we are Christians, that means we're connected to Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. And it says, I am the vine, you are the branch. So what does a branch have to do to bear fruit? It has to stay connected. And whatever you are connected to will determine what kind of fruit you are going to bear. That's why God says evil uh, company will communicate to you and release to you evil things and you'll begin to bear fruit and you'll wonder why because you are putting your roots into things you ought not to you are connecting to things that are going to bring hurt and harm but when you're around godly people when you're around good things and you connect to God and his heart then the thing that will happen in your life is that there will be a release of his life to you and the release of his life has a purpose it's not just that we can thrive but that we can bear fruit it's not just that you get out there and say aren't I stretching out and my leaves are green no he says I want something to be released out of your life and that's called good fruit John 15 and verse 16 says you have not chosen me scripture also says I loved you first. You thought you loved me uh, first, but no, what happened is I sought you out, I called you out, and I loved you first. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Turn to somebody and say, you are ordained. I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit would remain. What does that mean? I believe Part of what we have to understand about this decree is this. Being fruitful is a choice. I don't know if we want to have kids or not. Well, you have to choose into, I want to be fruitful. God, I want to do what it takes to be fruitful. And if you didn't have a choice, you wouldn't be commanded to be fruitful. And so if God is requiring something out of your life, it's because you can No matter what circumstance you may find yourself in, how many understand that some of the most fertile ground comes out of the most putrid things? (laughs) Right? Rotting leaves, rotting things, things that are waste products that are getting rid of out of animals and things. And those end up being (laughs) the fertile ground to, to have the most amazing bumper crops well somebody say I'm ready now I guess hallelujah the other thing about fruitfulness is you got to understand is it always takes time if you're going to be a, a, a farmer which I wanted to be first you know when I saw when I was just a tyke you know fireman you know policeman all these well I wanted to be a farmer my grandfather was a farmer so I thought I'm going to be a farmer Before I was going to be a preacher, then a few years later, I figured it out because I went out and saw my grandfather's farm. And I saw he got up at 4.30 in the morning, worked all day till about it got dark and and all the things he did. And I go, hmm, man, maybe something else here. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Still got to work day and night. But hey, he's not out there with the animals. It's just with the, the Christians. All right. Now. 
Wonderful Christmas. Hey, let's talk about some keys to being fruitful. Number one, listen. You need to learn how to bloom where you are planted. God has a planting for every purpose and for every person. And, you know, many years ago, uh, I, I said this. I remember we were teaching a class on, on spiritual authorities we do with the ministry training college. And, uh, you know, I said, well, we have a, a lot of family in our ministry, and that's great. And I've had the chance of working with my dad uh, for all these years, you know. And I, I said, isn't that wonderful? Some people might say, well, you've got family. You've got it made. How many know working with your family isn't always bliss? I don't want to hear too many shouts of amen too loud because we might have some problems. But, uh, you know, you can have problems in your family. How many can believe that might be true? I know not you. I'm talking about other people out there in the world somewhere. Um, It doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. You have to choose into. And what I had to decide many years ago, I remember as I went through some difficult times in the church and difficult times, even relationship with my dad over those issues and trying to figure it all out and feel, feeling misunderstood and feeling like something wasn't working the way I thought it should and, and feeling like, well, hey, what, what, I've been here all this time and you're not going to understand my heart. And, oh, I was just all up in it right then, all upset and frustrated and crying at night and wondering what's going to happen next. And it was, it was a tough day, tough time, tough season. My wife and I talking all night about the issues because of some betrayal and some hurt and some pain and oh my goodness it just hurt so deep you just couldn't believe that it was happening and and even when my father was trying to get some understanding it wasn't quite working the way that I had hoped and uh, at that moment there were some other voices that were speaking stronger to him and so I was just trying to bide my time and the Lord said this to me well, let me just say this as part of my teaching on spiritual authority but he said don't be afraid to prove yourself son you oh, well, I don't have to prove myself I've already been here 20 years I've already been doing it or whatever it was I was raised in this stuff. You don't know me by now. You're not going to ever. Hey, you know what God said? If it's true about you, then why are you afraid to prove yourself? And so I said, okay, you know what I did? I invited my dad to every meeting we had. I'm sure he got tired of it. No, he actually liked it. Every counseling meeting I had, every elders meeting I had, every kind of opportunity I could think of. I said, dad, you come and check it out. You see what we're doing. If we're doing something wrong, let's figure it out because I want to do it right. Come on. Don't be afraid to prove yourself. If it's true about you, then why not just exhibit? Bear some fruit. And the fruit will be evident. Your gift will make room for yourself. Things will begin to be seen about who you really are. But one thing the Lord said to me, you got to know who you are called to. In other words, it's not because you're naturally born to a man. It's not uh, just because there's family or there's other kind of connections or opportunities or something seemed to work out for me. You've got to know in your heart. That's why when people come and say, well, we want to get married, we ask them a question, are you in love? Why is that? Well, the Lord said this, the Lord said that. I said, that's good. That's important. Uh, but, you know, that's probably not going to be the reality of how you live when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, uh, you know, and, and, and day, night and day and all the life in between. You know, there's going to have to be a connection of heart and passion and purpose together that you love each other. Otherwise, you're going to say, Lord, the woman that you gave to me, you know, anyhow. <laughs> like Adam said, hey, what... What God wants us is to be connected rightly in heart. And so uh, uh, above anything and everything, though, I ultimately had to answer that question and say, God, this is where you have called me. This is who you have called me to. And no matter what seems to be getting in the way and trying to say something else to me, I'm going to not doubt in the dark what you have revealed in the light. And I'm going to hold myself steady and allow you to finish the work that you've started in my life. 
to bloom where you are planted. Psalms 1 verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that shall bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not like this, but they are like the chaff which the wind can drive away whenever it wants to. So here the righteous are pictured as those that know how to be like a tree planted by the, the water of life. And, and in that, they have an opportunity to tap into things. And out of that, they bear fruit. Every season, there's something that begins to be released through them. They know how to put their leaf out and bear the fruit. And they are prospered in their ways. But the contrast is this. The ungodly don't know how to do that. I've seen people that every time it gets a little hot, a little hard, a little something, not this or that, they decide, oh, I'm going to pick up roots and go for the greener pastures. I'm going to find something better out there somewhere. And I'm not saying God doesn't change us and move us and do things. I'm just saying that you've got to really dig deep to find out what's the purpose, what's the reason, why am I being motivated to do this right now? You can have tumbleweed Christians, every time the wind blows, they're going to go. Somewhere, somehow, to get something. And yet there's never going to be fruit born out of your life that way. You may get somewhere else, but you'll be dry. You won't soak up the nutrients that are in the ground, the things that are necessary for you to tap into in order for things to come out of your life. The commitment, the consistency, and the, the faithfulness that is required of a farmer, of one that's committed to the ground, committed to the process, and saying, I'm going to hang in there until this thing it's done until I see something come out. Some Christians have a shopping list approach to Christianity and to church. Well, I'm going to go and see what they got. Ah, I like that. I'll buy that. Oh, okay, that's good. I'll take this. Take that. Don't like this. And that's the way they make their decisions sometimes in life. And so sometimes that's the way churches try to be. Well, I'm going to make sure I got a really stock grocery store really full of everything that anybody might want and I sure don't want to make anybody feel unhappy or uncomfortable along the way what I found is easy come easy go how a Christian is saved is what they're going to crave and how they're going to stay and so if they have to have something to, to, to get them in the door and then they're going to have to keep that going and, or else they're out the door and yet I, I believe there's something different in the criteria of what God wants to have in our heart is that uh, we should have in our mind, God, one, I want to be pleasing to you because you've called me uh, to this place, to this church, to this uh, job, to, the, to my family, whatever it might be. Because you have called me, I am going to be faithful to the call. of I'm going to be pleasing to you first. I'm going to serve man as if I'm serving you. I'm going to do this as unto the Lord, no matter what may look like. Uh, naturally, God, I have something in mind and I see the the Lord. And God, I want your heart to be pleased with me. And most of all, I want to be in a place where I know that I am rooted in in such a way that I can bear fruit. See, I even tell people as they come in, sometimes transitionally from different places, and some people stay a lot longer than they are uh, planning maybe initially. That's great. But I say no, long, no matter how long you are here, put your roots down. Because you know what? It, it is a plant that has its roots going in that is best transplanted in the future if it needs to be. 
Because then if you're weak and frail and never allow yourself to even penetrate the ground and try, uh, then about the time God moves you, you're going to be dry and weak and you may not make it through that transplant. But the more you're flourishing and strong, and then if you need to be shifted, then God can do that the way he needs to. And you'll be healthy somewhere else and bearing great fruit wherever you go. We've seen that uh, throughout the years because we are a sending church, an apostolic Antioch kind of church where we see people in the nations. We see people around the world. We even see people in different communities around about here doing very powerful works, even in governmental arenas and all kinds of things that were a part of this house. What do we do? We celebrate because we know they're bearing fruit the way God intended and we have imparted into them and while they were with us some ground and nutrients and and impartation happened and now they have something that they had to offer that they wouldn't have otherwise the kingdom is advanced so the criteria should do they preach the uncompromising word of God are they going to make you feel good or are they going to speak the truth but in love Do they demonstrate the presence and the power of God? God, I want to be somewhere where there is power released, the kingdom's demonstrated, and there's a reality that faith is answered by the release of grace as people come together. Do they exhibit the nature of Christ? We're talking not just the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is important because it is the gifts that Jesus used to do the work to demonstrate the kingdom wherever he went, where he healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, uh, broke off uh, death and, and leprosy and all kinds of things. He used the gifts of the Holy Spirit when he was anointed by John and the Holy Spirit came and he went and did miracle after miracle from that time forth. And then he said, all those that follow me, I'm going to give them that same anointing. They're going to have the anointing that I have, the anointing of Jesus, and they're going to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and they're going to do these works and greater works. They will do the same thing. So we want that power released, but there's also reality. We want people that are mature. We want people that have the right heart. We want people that are living the right life. We want people that have made a sacrifice of their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I'm not going to just live any way like the world. I'm going to begin to do what God has called me to do by living a life pleasing and honoring to the King. We honor God first. We honor God with our substance. We honor God with our life and our lifestyle. And then ultimately is, God, is this the right place, you know? He who finds a wife finds a good thing, not good things. Hallelujah. So you've got to be careful. There's only one, right? Well, there's so many, God. Well, you've got to find the right one. And I did. Hallelujah. But listen, you've got to know, where am I called? Who am I called to? And once you make that commitment, you know, it's not, well, tomorrow I saw somebody else and they look kind of nice. No, you made a commitment. You are committed. You're living a life. If you're living on a shopping list, then, hey, maybe somebody else has a little more attraction and offering to you. And now I want to shift my attention to that. No, God, this is where I'm called. I'm keeping my eyes single and focused upon the prize that you've given to me. It doesn't matter if something else is enticing. I've already made my choice. Jeremiah 17 and verse 7 says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the water. See, you want to be in a place where the water is flowing. We're not want a stagnant pool. We don't want where people have decided that they're just going to say us four no more and kind of hold uh, in and hold down the fort. No, we're looking for advancing, releasing, flowing ministry that's continually releasing what God is doing in the earth, which spreads out its roots. So here's a tree that's planted by the waters, and because of that, its roots begin to spread out by the river and will not 
not fear when heat comes. Why? Because they have good roots in the ground. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Wow. You mean even in the drought, the difficulty, the hard place, the dry place, that you can still continue to bear fruit. Why? Because you planted your roots deep by the river. And because you've tapped into something that's beyond the atmosphere that you are living, you have an opportunity no matter what's taking place in the world, even in the community, God says, I'll cause you to bear fruit. Because you planted yourself where you're supposed to, something now is given to you as an opportunity uh, to have release in your life continually. Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. So I, I just follow my heart. Be careful. Well, my heart told me to do that. Well, you better discern your heart with that sword that cuts between soul and spirit. Because that might just be your soul wanting something. And that's called lust. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, God can. And that's why you better ask him what's taking place. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, and even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Well, here the blessing is, you don't have to fear, heat may come, tests may come, hard times may come, but you're rooted in, you know how to just tap into the river of life, you know how to thrive in the midst of whatever is happening, I'm not anxious about uh, what the economy is doing, I'm not anxious about whether everything's going my way or not, I'm going to bear fruit, I'm going to allow the nature, the power, the presence of God to be produced out of my life in every season, I'm going to have that opportunity, but here the warning comes, be careful because you're heart will deceive you in other words in scripture it says it this way god is not mocked what a man sows he will also reap so there's a reality that we may say how come this is happening to me and it may just be the enemy but god may also say hey what seed have you been throwing out lately if you're sowing out a seed of unfaithfulness then you might reap a little bit of that in your life and wonder why aren't people faithful to me. I've seen churches and places and things birthed out of rebellion and I've seen the fruit usually is that if they don't repent strongly, something else wants to be reproduced in that place and in their hearts. Lack of faith and trust. How come nobody trusts me? What are you sowing? How are you operating with God? How are you operating with your responsibility? The more... You sow stability, the more you'll reap stability. But if you are unstable in all your ways, there's something coming your way that you're not going to like. Well, I don't understand why my kids are rebellious, but I sure don't want to submit to the pastors. I sure don't want to submit to God. I sure don't want to do what anybody else tells me to do. And I don't know why my kids are like that. Talking evil of others, robbing from others, cheating others, being unsupportive. Why is this happening to me? Sometimes God says... I'm not mocked. You've reaped something. Now here come you're sowed something. Now there's some reaping in your life. That's why we repent. That's why we say, hey, God, help me pull up some weed seeds because I don't want this stuff. I, I don't like these thorns. They're not fun to walk on. 
Everybody say amen. They're so excited today. Okay, listen. Mark chapter 4 verse 17 says this. And having no root in themselves and so endure for a time afterward after affliction comes and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Well, we wanted to make sure everything we said didn't offend anybody. Really? Is that what preaching is supposed to be about? Make everybody feel good? Oh, you mean you spoke the word and somebody got mad? Must have been the word. Hallelujah. Had no root in themselves. They didn't have anything rooted into God rightly. So they were just had their feelings out on their, uh, the end of their uh, fingertips and, and ready to feel offended about anything. Because, I, oh, well, you talked about something I shouldn't do or should do. That doesn't seem right. And because of the word that, you know, or because of affliction or, or persecution or difficulty, they decide, forget this. These are they that are sown among the thorns, they hear the word, and then the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things enters into their heart, and it chokes the word out, and it becomes unfruitful. That wasn't a bad seed. It wasn't that God didn't give them something. It wasn't that it wasn't true, that prophecy over their life, but they allowed some other things to begin to choke out that which God had decreed about them, and because they got their mind caring about all the wrong things, and deceitfulness entered into their life because they begin to be entirely by things that God never said was for them, then all of a sudden things got choked out that should have been fruitful. In the last days, it says many will have itching ears. In other words, they will say, uh, I want to hear what I want to hear. And if you say something that I don't want to hear, then I will not endure that kind of work. I will not hang in there. I'm gone. Not easily moved. You know how you're not easily moved? I had to choose a long time ago if I was going to be a pastor, I'm not going to be easily offended. Come on, guys. Let's be real here in church. Yeah, sometimes people do things that will offend you. What does that mean? Man, that, I, that's not right. How could they say that? How could they do that? Oh, my God. I thought they were Christians. Man, they'll go up there and some sinners treat me better than the folks in the church. Well, that might be true because sometimes people don't allow things to happen in their life. They don't allow their root to tap into the things that would bear the fruits that God said. And so you have to choose into forgiving. You've got to choose into living the life that God has asked you to. You've got to choose not to opt out, run away, get upset, uh, give up just because somebody did something that uh, made me upset. Oh, my goodness, somebody upset your apple car. Somebody got my nose out of joint. Well, put it back. Get a cosmetic surgeon. Fix it. Make it look right. Don't allow yourself to be uprooted. Now, I'll just take my toys, and we're walking away. Really? I'll hurt you because I felt hurt some way. That's the way some people operate in the church. It's amazing to me. Luke 8 and verse 13 says this, that there are other kind of soils, wayside soils. That, but the ones on stony ground are those who, when they hear and receive the word with joy, man, I was so excited, I was so blessed, everything was going my way. And then, because they didn't root in the way they were supposed to, uh, they believe for a while. And in time, temptation comes to them, and then they give way. They fall away to that temptation. And the ones that fall among the thorns are those who, when they heard the word... Then after that, they go out and things get choked out because, again, cares, riches, and pleasures of life begin to take the priority. And it chokes out the opportunity for them to bear the fruit that God intended for them to bear. 
In the church in Philadelphia, in Revelations 3, it says it this way. If you overcome, I'll make you a pillar in the house of the Lord that you will no more go out. But I will give you a new name, and I will give you the name of the Lord on your life. The promise was that if you shift and do the things that the word of the Lord is being released, you will overcome whatever you are facing. And at the end of the day, you'll be staked in the ground. You'll be vobbed in the ground. You will be fruitful. You know what they do with vines, uh, grapevines? They stake them and they allow them to grow on those vines so that they might spread out and bear great fruit and be easy to be received. That's what God wants to do through the church in this day. There's all kinds of things that would come contrary to try to uproot people. But God says, no, the more you choose into putting your roots in, the more you're choosing in to bearing fruit for me. Psalms 92 and verse 12 says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and he shall go and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the Lord's house, the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall begin to have authority. They shall begin to operate with an anointing. They shall be the ones that I will appoint and send forth powerfully in this day. They shall still spring forth and bring forth great fruit even in their old age. That's what Bishop Hammond has done as he has gone through all kinds of things. And I could take another 10 hours just to talk about some of the trials and difficulties he's had to walk through in his life. But he stayed the course. He kept his heart right. He said, God, I'm going to continue to do what you ask me to do, no matter who I'm disappointed in, no matter what didn't seem to work out, God, even if I'm a little mad at you at the moment, I'm going to get it right in my heart. Even if I'm upset with myself because of mistakes, I'm not going to live in shame. God, even though people betrayed me, hurt me, slapped me in the face, I'm not going to walk away from the high calling you've given to me. I'm going to continue to put my head like a flint and go toward the high price and say, God, nothing's going to deny me from that which you've called me to be for you and to do for you. They will still be in old age bearing great fruit. They shall be fat and flourishing. Hallelujah. Somebody say, that's me. Oh, be careful. All right. Fatness always in scripture. We talk about it faithful, available, teachable, the fat principle. That means that you are promoted in the house of the Lord because you know how to engage with God and be rooted into his principles in your life. Let me say this now. That's some bad soil. How about some good soil? Everybody says, I'm going to smile now. All right, Luke 8, verse 15. Listen. But the ones that fell on the good ground, turn to somebody and say, I think you're good ground, are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. What do they do? They have a noble heart. The word noble means honorable, beautiful, upright. When, when we talk about Kairos moment, it's a beautiful moment. It's a time of God's choosing that we brings something powerful out of your life. You exhibit the heart of the Lord because you have an upright heart. And you honor God. We honor God. You know what it says? When you come to the house of God, you're honoring God. Well, I don't know if they need me or not. I don't know if I need something or not. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to honor God or not. Well, the tithe. I don't know if the church needs my money or not. It doesn't say uh, whether the church needs your money or not. It says honor God with the first fruits. It says honor God with your substance. Well, I'm giving it to this person. No, you're giving it to God. If God said do it, then do it unto the Lord. Noble heart. Then a good heart. All I want to hear at the end of the day, oh, good and faithful servant. God, was I good? Did I bear good fruit, good works? And was I faithful to whatever you called me to? 
If it was in my family, if it was in one of the seven mountains we talk about, whether it's in the church in whatever way you called me to be on team or ministry or other things, God, was I faithful to what you gave to me? Did I take the seed in and receive it rightly? Do I know how to keep it, possess it, make it my own? And then do I need a little patience after done the will of God to be able to bear the fruit? You bet. Well, I haven't seen the fruit yet. I haven't seen the fruit yet. You know, I think over in Hawaii they say, uh, you know, macadamia nuts are because a guy named... McDonald and Damien or something, they added their name, right? Something like that. My wife should know. She's from Hawaii, part of her life. Uh, I think they say when you plant a macadamia tree, it takes 14 years, I believe it is, before they bear the first fruit. Some fruit takes longer to come to maturity in your life. Don't give up on the seed. Don't give up on what you did in faith. Have patience that you might receive the promise that God intended for your life. In this parable, is it more about the seed or about the soil? It's saying the seed is good. It's all about the seed being good. It was a good thing. That's the word of God. The problem was the soil. Will the seed find good soil? If it finds good soil, what does it say? 30, 60, 100 fold. There's an, a, an, a, a myriad of opportunities to be able to advance. So first thing you got to do is receive the seed. You've got to make room for it in your life. If the, the ground doesn't open up, if it's hard and bounces off, if it's stony ground, it will never produce any fruit. Some people, I tell you what, you can spend five hours counseling them, walk out the door, and then wonder how in the word, world did they call you back and say that. How in the world did they do that with their wife after you just told them 20 million times, this is what you should never do? I mean, you just kind of go, really, really, really? Bong, 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 bong. God, God called his own people stiff neck, didn't he? I mean, come on. Turn your head, will you? Receive the seed. Sometimes it's just a matter it never penetrates your heart. You build a wall. You got hurt. You got upset. You're not paying attention. You don't want this. You don't want to have to change. Whatever it is, you build that wall of pride. Bounce, 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 bang. Never had a chance. No room. Give no place for the devil. Give place for God. If you don't give place for God, you're going to give place for the devil. Discern the good seed and then receive it. Seek the word. Seek what God has to say. Embrace the seed. That means you begin to allow it to take root. In other words, it's not just something you heard. Now it becomes a principle. You know how to apply it in your life. You know how to work with the word and allow it to bring forth uh, its purposes. That means you have your mind renewed is the way it says it in scripture. You have your ways changed because you repent. That means you turn around. You do something different. You don't live the way you have. You begin to allow there to be a release of the life of the seed because you water the seed. You nurture it. You care for it. You tend for it. You say, God, I heard that preaching. I heard that word. I heard that prophecy. God, you spoke to me in that dream. God, you said some things to me. I read your word and I understand it. Now I want it to be watered. I want to see some fruit. I want to see this come forth in my life. I've got to deal with some weeds that are growing up right beside me. It will choke out what God has given to me if I don't deal with these things that would try to rob me of my opportunity to do what God's called me to. I've got to live the word. I've got to obey. It's not hypocritical hearing and doing something different. No, not saying and doing something different. No, God, I want to be in full of integrity. That means the same all the way through. And so, God, I, I want to obey your word. When it says to listen and obey in Scripture, it's the word akuo, and it has a connotation that you don't just listen, but you do. 
That's what my dad always said to me. I don't, I'm not just talking to hear my teeth rattle. You know, that meant either you move or something else is coming your way real quick. The wonderful thing is that you can have soil. You know, if you're in a hothouse, the wonderful thing, no matter what's happening on around about you, in a hothouse, man, things just begin to grow in an amazing way. That's why we have ministry training college. That's why we have uh, uh, fast tracks and, and APTs. That's why we have other opportunities of training and team and equipping. Because in that house, you know where we learned uh, maybe preaching and teaching the best is when we were in Bible college. Not in Bible college, but uh, in the application of Bible college, it required us to work in the church. And we went and taught the kids. And you know what? It stretched us in ways we never thought. We had to learn the word better because they asked us questions. And go, man, I need to know that. And then it made you, how do I explain this to them? These are kids. They don't understand. How do I explain it to them? I mean, it made us dig. We ministered. That's right, ministering to children. And then we went into the prisons and ministered to the prisoners. Man, we were ready for anything after that. Come on. If you can minister to kids, you can minister to anybody. I'll tell you that. You will know them by their fruit. God wants the fruit of your life to be released. Lastly, let me say this. Don't curse the ground that you are planting in. Really? Are you going to poison the ground that you want to crop from? Are you going to pollute the air of what you want to breathe? Uh, are you going to throw garbage on the food that you want to eat? That was loud. I don't know where it came from. That's good. You remember when the word came to Samaria, they were in besiegement, and God came for the prophetic words that you're going to be set free this time tomorrow. I'll tell you what, there's going to be so much to eat. You think you're in famine, you're eating everything that you shouldn't, you're about to die. But I'm telling you, God's turning everything around. And some scoffed, mocked, got mad, and some even went out to kill the man that gave the word. Because they were hurting so bad, they said, Man, I can't believe this. It's too good to be true. I don't think this could ever happen. They were just so frustrated, so hurt, so upset. They were killing the very thing or trying to kill the very release that was coming to them that would have brought everything to pass. And some of them that could not shift their mindset and their heart, they saw it, but they never received the blessing. God's saying, be careful. Don't curse your boss with your words of how you talk when you want to be blessed on that job. Don't talk about your husband and wife and children the way that you do when you want them to be ones that flourish. And, and that means that they, they grow, they, they mature, they, they bear fruit, they, they're uh, coming forth with their best abilities. And, and what is being released? The seed is always called the word. So every time something comes out of your mouth, it's a seed. It's a release of life or death. And so God says, let's be careful that we tend to what he's given to us rightly. Why would we curse the things that we want to be blessed from? Why would we speak evil, murmur, complain, be at odds, be negative about the very things God said, I want to bless you. Well, nobody would ever do that. I mean, God wouldn't, you know, set a whole generation free from uh, Egyptian bondage, get them on a path by all kinds of miracles toward their promised land and in the middle because things were not going their way, though totally the way that they had hoped, even though there were all kinds of miracles still happening, fire uh, at night, and, you know, cloud by day, manna falling every, falling every day to eat. I mean, their, their clothes weren't wearing out. They weren't getting sick. I mean, there was a few good things happening, but it was a little harder than 
than they planned, a little more than they expected to, to take. And they got to murmur and complain and curse God, who's the one that has delivered them, blessed them. Come against Moses, who was the man that was called to deliver them. Get all upset with life and get a negative attitude. And God says, I'm fed up with it. Enough is enough. You're going to know my breach of promise. Bang. You're going to just wander in this wilderness till you die. God was ready to just kill him right then. If you remember, Moses interceded. So he said, all right, another 40 years you can live, but you're dead. As far as I'm concerned in my eyes. Why? Cursing the ground that they wanted to be blessed from. Can you just stand with me and lift up your hands toward heaven? And let me just say the last thing. If you're bearing fruit, how many want to bear more fruit? This is what God has to say. I'm coming to you. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to purge you. Hallelujah. So lift up your hands. God says everyone that bears fruit, he comes to deal with issues. Maybe in a winter season, he cuts back even what was fruitful in another season. And we're kind of sitting there all stubby saying, God, do you hate me or what? And he says, no, I don't hate you at all. I love you. My discipline is not because I hate you. It's because I love you. I deal with these issues not because I hate you, because I love you. I'm cutting off some things and dealing with some things and and because I want your roots to go deeper than ever before so that in the next fruitful season, you're going to bear more than you ever have before because something got deposited inside of you. Something transitioned. Something took place. The fruit was happening, but it was in the roots first. Then the fruit could be seen. Lift up your hands toward heaven. Father, our heart in this house is that we want to please you. Lord, above anything and everything else that man may say is success or man may say these are the games you have to play. God, I don't want to live like that. I want to live in accordance to the word of God. I don't want those things to choke the true fruit out. I don't want something to rob from me the reality of me being able to receive the seed and that it would root deep. God, I don't want to have hardness in my life that would cause the word to go forth and just bounce off of me and never penetrate where it needs to. Father, I want pride to fall. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. And so I want to receive the seed so that I can be connected to you rightly, Lord, and I can grow and flourish in the courts of my God. I can flourish and ever be green no matter what is taking place around about me, that I will bear fruit in every season. Father, let this church be a a place of refuge. Let it be a a hot house. Let it be a place where people come in and no matter what they've been walking through, they feel a surge of life. They feel a seed that's true being released to them. Let there be a capacity for them to open up and receive and rise up with everything that's preached, decreed, what happens in worship and ministry teams. Father, that there might be fruit that is seen, even good works that we would do that would glorify you, whether we're going out to the prisoners and preaching to them, whether we're causing there to be help for the hurting in our local community, whether we're rising up on Friday night and prophesying to those that come in that they might hear the word of the Lord, no matter what area of hospitality, caring for the house of God, ministering to the people of God, watching over the children. Lord, it's not up to me what you want me to do as far as bearing fruit it's up to you I just need to put my roots down deep and you'll choose the fruit that's to be on my tree and so Lord here I am 
lifting up my hands to you to say, God, I want to choose to be fruitful. I want to choose to put my roots down deep, and I want to choose to honor and to please you with my life. Father, let good fruit and good works follow me all the days of my life, and let that fruit be the kind that remains, that brings a deposit in many people's lives. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We're here to give you all the praise. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.